0: Hello, and welcome back to the Urology Care Podcast, the official podcast of the Urology Care Foundation. Our guest is Dr. Jair Santiago-Lastra, the Associate Professor of Urology at UC San Diego Health. She gets real with us about all things urinary tract infections, also known as UTIs. You'll learn what they are, why they happen, how they are treated, and how to prevent them. Whether it's your first time getting a UTI or you suffer from recurrent UTIs, this episode covers the basics. So let's get started. Dr. Santiago Lastra, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of the Urology Care Podcast. Thank you for inviting me. Can you start by telling us about yourself and a little more about the work you do? Well, my name is Jair Santiago Lastra.
1: I am a urologist subspecializing in pelvic medicine and reconstructive surgery. I have a practice based at UC San Diego Health, which is an academic medical center in San Diego. Within my practice, I see a lot of men and women with pelvic floor problems, and um, UTIs can often accompany several of of those issues. And uh, often women will seek care uh, for recurrent UTIs, which is the focus of our podcast today.
0: Thank you. Can you start by explaining what a urinary tract infection or UTI is?
1: So a urinary tract infection is actually an umbrella term for various ailments that can be caused by mostly bacteria, but can also be caused sometimes by fungus or by a virus. And it can be an infection of the urethra known as urethritis or an infection of the bladder called cystitis. And most UTIs that people talk about are actually cystitis. And it also can be pyelitis or pyelonephritis, which are infections of the kidney, which are the uh, very serious and often Um, accompanied with fever and have a high association with infections that can spread um, into the bloodstream and that's called um, sepsis. And so a UTI can be any of those. Um, A lot of times they aren't complicated and are just associated with symptoms that affect mostly the bladder and urethra.
0: Okay. And what are some of those main symptoms of UTIs? So typically,
1: UTI symptoms can be associated with uh, more urinary urgency and frequency. Um, There can be a sensation of burning, particularly burning with urination. Um, There can be a lower dullness in the lower belly or lower abdomen. Um, And sometimes there can also be um, flank pain or lower back pain. Those are some of the typical symptoms that patients will complain about, but then there can also be other more atypical symptoms, like just a general feeling of being unwell. Um, And some patients, especially patients who have a neurogenic bladder, a bladder affected by a neurologic injury, like spinal cord injury, may have other symptoms like increased spasticity or increased um, urine leakage when they don't want it. So there, there are a variety of symptoms and complicating factors, but most of the time, urinary urgency, frequency, burning with urination and a lower um, suprapubic uh, uh, pain uh, are very typical of an infection.
0: And now is it possible to have a UTI without any symptoms at all, or is that not something that's very common?
1: Well, that, that isn't common. And uh, it brings up a a really important point, which is that sometimes notice how we've talked about symptoms of UTI, but then when we talk about diagnosis of UTI, we typically like to see um, two tests one, a urinalysis, which looks at the components of the urine under the microscope. There's also a urine culture where the components of the uh, urine sample are grown in culture media to see what bacteria grow. And so some patients may have a positive urine culture that's called bacteriuria or bacteria in the urine and not have any symptoms. And we don't actually consider that to be a urinary tract infection. Some bacteria can colonize the urinary system in certain patients, but uh, there are exceptions. So there are patients who for a variety of reasons, may have a lack of bladder awareness. Um, Patients who have a neurogenic bladder, for example, some elderly patients who have an underactive bladder may have a full bladder or bladder that has a lot of bacteria in it, and they may start to get some symptoms of a complicated infection, like fevers or chills or overall just feeling unwell or even Mental status changes without really having any urinary symptoms, and those patients are pretty hard to to narrow down and treat. Um, but it can happen, although it is very rare. And most of the time, what happens is that patients may have bacteria in the urine and no symptoms, and actually do not have an infection.
0: Interesting. Thank you for breaking that down. So, can both men and women get UTIs, and are UTIs something that can be transmitted sexually? So most importantly
1: for the audience no you cannot transmit a urinary tract infection sexually it is not an std and so there's there isn't this compelling reason to notify a partner if you've been diagnosed with a uti for example both men and women can have urinary tract infections uh, they they can both suffer from them but they are more common in women and for the, the women that uh, are afflicted with UTIs, many of them will report that having sexual intercourse, specifically a vaginal penetrative intercourse, but also anal intercourse, can be associated with exacerbating a UTI. So even though it isn't a sexually transmitted disease, having sexual intercourse because of the microtrauma that can occur can actually predispose a woman to getting UTIs. So some women will report, you know, if I have sex, I immediately get an infection afterwards. And we work with those women to devise a strategy uh, to prevent them from from getting infections after intercourse. And some providers will even implement a strategy to give women a postcoital or antibiotics after intercourse.
0: Okay, thank you, and. Can UTIs go away on their own, or do they always require some form of treatment?
1: The reality is that we don't know. I think that in most circumstances, there can be what are called UTI prodromes or symptoms that are suggestive of a UTI, but may or may not be. And at that time, a lot of patients do report that certain strategies like Drinking more fluids, uh, supplementing cranberry, having more frequency and emptying the bladder more frequently can help uh, ward off an impending infection. But a true UTI with uh, white blood cells in the urine, urgency, frequency, burning, and especially fevers, those typically will not go out away on their own and require antibiotic treatment.
0: Okay, thank you. So you mentioned this a little bit, um, are antibiotics, the typical way that UTIs are treated or what are some of the other, um, treatments that a doctor may recommend for UTIs?
1: We typically have a two pronged approach. So one approach for a culture proven symptomatic, especially febrile UTI will be to give an antibiotic selected based on the recommendations of the guidelines. So that could be an antibiotic like nitrofriantoin, trimethoprim, sulfomethoxasol, phosphomycin, but then we also want to narrow down those selections based on the sensitivities of the culture. So that really is going to be the mainstay therapy for the positive urine culture associated with symptoms. Now, there are also other mitigating strategies that we encourage the patients to use, especially in the first few days when they are getting those antibiotics on board. And it can include drinking plenty of fluids, using non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs or NSAIDs like ibuprofen. It can also include using a urinary analgesics such as phenazopyridine or peridium, those things can also really help to stave off the symptoms. And we use that two-pronged approach when patients have these symptoms of UTI, especially when they're awaiting a diagnosis.
0: Okay. Thank you. And can you now talk a little bit more about recurrent UTIs and why some people are more prone to getting those?
1: So there's a lot of research currently going into why certain people are predisposed to recurrent UTIs and some are not. And I'll give you some of the more prevalent theories as to why this happens. Number one is that some bacteria and some urethelial lining, so the lining of your bladder, the mucosa, can be more adherence. So some bacteria like E. coli have these bristles on their surface known as pili, and those pili can become adherent to the mucosal lining of the bladder so that a antibiotic treatment course, for example, may kill off most of the bacteria, but there may be some that are able to remain adherent to that mucosal lining and cause the symptoms over time to maybe shed and and the patients start to develop another symptom of a urinary tract infection. That's one theory and we know that some patients are predisposed based on the composition of the lining of their bladder. So that's one theory and one way to ward off that uh, those types of recurrent UTIs is improving the time to antibiotic administration. And so those patients may benefit from having a standing urine culture and giving a sample when they have symptoms and then starting their self-start antibiotics. We always recommend that hand in hand with an antibiotic that you may have at home to treat your infections is also having a urine culture order so that you can always submit a urine sample beforehand. Another theory especially in postmenopausal women is the loss of estrogen. So estrogen is essential to maintaining the normal bacterial flora of the vagina. And those bacteria including lactobacilli can be extremely protective against bacteria like E. coli or Proteus or Klebsiella that can come from the gastrointestinal tract and go into the urinary tract and cause infection. So when estrogen leaves the vagina after menopause, there can be a change in the pH of the vagina and in what's called the microbiome of the vagina. And that predisposes, particularly women obviously, to these infections. And so one of the mainstays of preventing those recurrent UTIs is to supplement vaginal estrogen so that we can restore the lining of the vagina have those good bacteria move back into their established home and prevent those recurrent infections from happening
0: okay thank you and so i know that you just kind of touched a little bit on what some people may do to prevent recurrent UTIs or help with those symptoms, but what are some things in general that people can do to prevent UTIs on a regular basis? So one of the biggest things that I recommend
1: for patients is a urinary tract infection typically happens when your body's own defenses are not sufficient to ward off the infection. For a small subset of patients, there may be an underlying abnormality that has to be evaluated, but most patients don't have those suspicious complicating factors. Most patients have a perfectly normal urinary system that just needs some support. So I usually recommend for those patients, one, if they're postmenopausal to supplement estrogen, that is essential. Um, And when I speak of estrogen, I mean vaginal estrogen. So that is essential. Additionally, a diet, and there is a lot of research that suggests that a plant-based diet high in probiotics can be really helpful to reestablishing not just your vaginal microbiome, but also your gut microbiome, and that contributes to a lot of these symptoms as well. So keeping excellent dietary bladder and bowel habits is essential. Emptying your bladder on a schedule is also really important. In this busy world that we live in, people might be used to working an entire day without taking some time to use the restroom. And that really can be, in patients that are predisposed, a risk factor for having an infection. So typically we'll recommend drinking plenty of water around 64 ounces a day, emptying your bladder on a schedule, keeping a nice, healthy, probiotic-rich diet, And then there are other non-antibiotic preventive measures, like for example, cranberry supplementation or d mannose supplementation, which have been shown in some studies to help prevent recurrent UTIs. Vaginal estrogen use, like I mentioned before, and then in the right patient, Uh, There might even be a role for a low-dose antibiotic that's used for prevention or what doctors call prophylaxis. Usually, we recommend not doing that for longer than 6 to 12 months, and a lot of times we'll use intermittent dosing like single dose uh, nightly or maybe uh, after intercourse, for example.
0: Okay, thank you. And so one of the last questions I have, this is something that's kind of heard a lot online and in in talks in terms of preventing UTIs that, you know, especially women should pee after having sexual intercourse. Can you touch on that and confirm if that's something that is beneficial in helping to prevent UTIs?
1: So that's been
0: discussed many times. And I think it's
1: something that in general is echoed by a lot of physicians when women come in, experiencing post-intercourse urinary infections, but there really isn't a lot of data to suggest that that is beneficial. What I think is more important is that the bladder be emptied on a regular schedule. So for example, if it's nighttime and you are about to go to sleep and you've not emptied your bladder and that might be a typical time when a couple may experience, you know, or engage in intercourse, if you go right to bed after that and your bladder's kind of full, it's going to spend you know, several hours full. And that might be more of a predisposing factor. Like I said, that bladder wants to empty every about every three to four hours, even though it may not give us that signal. So that to me is more of a predisposing factor. The fact that sometimes we hold our urine a little bit more than might be appropriate based on our, on our body composition or based on whether or not we have predisposing factors to infections. But yeah, the the data hasn't really showed that that is particularly helpful. And a lot of my patients who get post intercourse UTIs say, "Hey, I've been, you know, I always, you know, empty my bladder after I have intercourse. I even do it before. I've even taken, you know, cranberry tablets and everything, and it keeps happening. And sometimes we just need to support uh, women through these episodes, maybe with a preventive antibiotic." Maybe thinking about vaginal estrogen, especially if they're postmenopausal, because the, that lining of the vagina is going to be thinner. And another thing is that even if you haven't gone through menopause, if you're breastfeeding, if you're on, an, on a contraceptive uh, method, uh, there are different... Situations that can predispose women to having low estrogen in their vagina. And it's not all related to menopause. So that's why it's important to speak to your primary care physician when these things are starting to happen and to maybe inquire about a relative low dose estrogen state or maybe a need for vaginal estrogen supplementation, because that is a more important factor than a lot of women recognize.
0: Great. Thank you so much for providing your insight on that. And do you have any final thoughts or insights of your own on this particular topic? What I can
1: say is to a lot of women is that you are not alone. This is something that happens very frequently. It keeps our clinics really busy to the point where we engage in a multi-team approach to really help these women who are struggling with these infections and men too, because we do have male patients that suffer from it. It is something that has really engaged us as a team with our nurses, our advanced practice providers, and our primary care physician colleagues to really make sure that these patients are listened to, heard, and that whatever maybe predisposing them to getting these recurrent infections or to even getting one of those really bad complicated episodes of infection treated quickly and effectively.
0: Thank you. Well, Dr. Santiago Lastra, thank you so much for talking with us today on this topic. Thank you so much. This podcast has been brought to you by the Urology Care Foundation in partnership with the Society of Urodynamics female pelvic medicine, and urogenital reconstruction. The Urology Care Foundation is the official foundation of the American Urological Association. For more information on today's topic, and for all things urology health, visit urologyhealth.org. That's urologyhealth.org.